This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I think your mustache is interfering with the connection. Hell yeah. And welcome back to the show. I'm here with John Zella of the Hockey Writers, Joe Pantorno of Am New York, and I am James Nichols of the Fourth Period. We are the Nassman Hockey Podcast. And normally I'd ask you guys how you're doing, but I already know. John's going to say, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Not a whole lot. Joe's going to say, happy to be back with my favorite guys after a little while on my favorite podcast, on my favorite show. And we're going to get right into it tonight with the spicy trade deadline speculation. There's a ton of rumors swirling. Look at Joe's mustache. It's luscious. He's ready to talk about trades. John's beard is always luscious. This is this whole world of, of, of beards and mustaches right now is so It's a good thing talk. we're sponsored by Manscaped. So good that we're sponsored by Manscaped. We're so ready to talk about the trade deadline with all this handsomeness going around. And uh, let's start with our man, Cal Clutterbuck, uh, part of one-third of the identity line uh, for the New York Islanders. And recently, uh, I had wrote an article via the fourth period that there is interest uh, for Cal Clutterbuck. It is likely that he will be moved. Um, Joe, have you heard the same uh, on your end from, from any of your sources what have you heard regarding Cal Clutterbuck? I think it's logical uh, that Cal Clutterbuck is going to be a name that's being dropped uh, during these trade line talks. I mean, pending free agent, it's a good rental. Uh, teams that need that added grit at the bottom of their lineup, it, it's sort of a no-brainer to at least inquire about him. This is a high-physicality guy with low penalty minutes. Uh, and if kind of afforded the right opportunity, he does I, I'm not going to say he has a scoring touch, but we've seen it. Every once in a while, he'll kind of break out a snipe out of nowhere and say, oh, man, hey, this is the guy that was, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 goal scorer in juniors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I, I feel like it's it's a matter of time before Clutterbuck is traded. Have I heard anything personally? No. Um, but just by using common sense. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely logical for him to be one of the hot commodities within the Islanders ranks and trade talks. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the obvious hot commodities that will be, uh, you know, most likely moved at the trade deadline for, for what he does, right? He's not going to blow you away on the score sheet, but what he's going to do is he's going to wear and tear your, your opponents down. He's going to get, you know, upwards of seven, eight hits a game. And, and he's just going to get under the skin of his, of their opponents. Now, the other side of the coin with Clutterbuck is, like you said, you know, in juniors, he was a he was a 30, 40 goal scorer. He's not so much that now, but he does have a heck of a shot and he kills penalties. And sometimes he's good for the shorthanded goal. Um, and if not, he's you know still really good at killing penalties. I can remember in recent memory, I think he killed a penalty on his own for like a minute and 30 seconds all by himself. So he's really good in, in special teams. He's really good, you know, just as a, a five on five. Uh, and he's the kind of playoff performer you want going into a deep playoff run. The Islanders know, especially having gone on two in, in the last two postseasons with Clutterbuck on the fourth line. 
Uh, Joe Sackick was in the building at UBS Arena the other night, and there was a ton of speculation that he was there specifically for Cal Clutterbuck. And whereas the idea that a general manager would attend a game for one specific player, I don't generally think that that's something they do, right? Not for Cal Clutterbuck. Not right. No, and not that, that's Cal nothing. Clark. That's nothing on Cal, right? Um, but you know, he's he's matched his point total from last season with eleven, right? In forty in five less games, so good for him, right? More goals, one more goal. Um, it's the most you know points he's had in a number of seasons. A, a, a an arguably a glue guy that can kind of beef up your bottom six. Something else might be afoot. Yeah, and I don't want to skip too far ahead. But if you're there for you're not there for Clutterbuck, he's uh, he could be part of a bigger deal. Yeah, with another player, that's that's why that that's happening. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I don't know about just Clutterbuck. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right, I, I agree with you. If this was last season and uh, Jack Eichel hadn't been traded yet, and Joe Sakic was at Vegas's arena. Sure, Joe, Joe Sackick is there to see Jack Eichel because maybe he wants to uh, have him as part of the Colorado Avalanche. But that's not the kind of player that Cal Clutterbuck is. Uh, via via the fourth period, and, and I can say, uh, like I said yesterday via Twitter, um, you know he had a long list of players he was there to see. Right, every team going into the playoffs wants defensive depth. Montreal Canadiens are certainly going to sell off some of their defensemen because they're going to be a rebuilding team next season. And you know we'll we'll talk about this in a little bit, but. Zidane Chara is available. Uh, Andy Green's available. So these are maybe some death pieces that the you know the uh, Colorado Avalanche will want going into the, uh, the the playoffs. They they have gotten so close uh, a couple of times before, and they're going to look to bring in reinforcements to go on a deep run. So um, maybe not Cal Clutterbuck specifically. Was he of interest to Joe Sakic? Sure, I, he should be of interest to most playoff teams. Uh, but not just Cal Clutterbuck specifically um, going for Joe Sackett going to UBS Arena the other day. Uh, Larry Brooks brought up a, a pretty interesting uh, possibility for the Islanders and Clutterbuck, uh, maybe possibly moving him to the New York Rangers. Uh, John, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Cal Clutterbuck and the New York Rangers? You wouldn't love to see it. I think yeah, I think you have to start there. You don't you don't want to see that happen, um, because then you you got to you have to root against him. And he's been a big part of this team for a long time. I think that's the hardest part. I could understand why the Rangers would be interested. They have a lot of young players. He could teach them. He's got recent playoff experience. They I don't know that they go on a run necessarily. Uh, the that the Rangers that is, but. The Islanders have surprised. The the Rangers have a good goalie that all you have to get hot is, you know, for a few games. You never know. And if and the bottom six wins championships, they really, really make a huge difference in the playoffs because a lot of those superstars even out, they're a wash. They're good for two or three goals a game. It's really going to be for teams not named the Islanders in the playoffs, uh, where it's like a full team defense um, winning games, low scoring games. You need a good bottom six and and he's a playoff guy he's proven to be successful i don't blame him i don't like it i don't want to see it happen lou doesn't really have a great history of trading with the rangers i don't think they ever i don't think he traded with the rangers his entire time in new jersey so it's i don't know what that relationship is like 
Um, it is new brass there. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure what the uh, what the actual outlook is on that, but it'd be weird to see. Yeah. No, John, you're right. 28 years as the GM of the New Jersey Devils, and not one trade with the New York Rangers. That's not something that's likely to happen, uh, in my opinion. Going over to the New York Rangers now, is it a player that the New York Rangers? Certainly could use absolutely. It could have been Glenn Sather. He was the he was the GM for some time. Yeah. In, in your, so it could have been just that they didn't have a relationship. Could and be. Thus, a trade doesn't happen. But um, is it is it Chris Drury now? Am it I is making Chris that Drury up? now. Yeah. I don't know. You're so younger guy. I, you know, you have to think they have some kind of conversation. You want it. You know, if you can get a, what do you get for a Cal Clutterbuck? Well, that's the thing. You need to you need to realize that. If you are, this is from a Ranger standpoint, if you are dealing with the Islanders, you're going to have to overpay, um, just like any other team in the division would Yeah. if they were inquiring. So, again, you're right. What does Cal Clutterbuck get you? Does he get you a fourth-round draft pick? Does he get you a third-round draft pick? Who knows? Um, but you probably have to make it a step up, or you'd have to make it multiple draft picks. You don't know. Um, because, again, you know, you can – I don't want to say you can go out and you can find a fourth liner anywhere in the league um, because I think Cal Clutterbuck is sort of in the upper echelon of fourth liners in, in the NHL. And the Islanders know what they have. And I think they're, like they said, there isn't going to be a shortage of suitors on the market. So really, I, I don't think, regardless of divisional opponent. Um, I don't think the Islanders would really hold out for, you know, somebody in the Metropolitan Division when, again, they'll have a lot of interest from from elsewhere. And and I'll add this too. I think there's a possibility that just because they trade the guy, they ha- Luke can have the discussion with him and say, "Look, we're going to trade you, but we're interested in bringing you back." That, I, I don't. I, yeah. I think that's a overlooked thing, especially with this team and how Lou likes to keep these guys together. If he really does think it's small tweaks. It really isn't small tweaks in the bottom six, right? It's it's top six moves that that need to happen, one way or another. Yeah. No, so I, there was an op- there's an opportunity. Come look, I'll, yeah, I'm gonna. I'll if you do this, you know, you get you you pretty much guaranteed yourself a contract next year, you know, for a million and a half, or two more years at a million and a half. Uh, all right, I think that's what a lot of people are thinking anyway. Uh, if the team was good, doesn't mean that you know. All right, yeah, we'll get get a second round pick, some overpayment from somebody. And come back. It's certainly a possibility. Uh, one one of the things that you said, John, though, was I I do like the idea of maybe bringing Cal Clutterbuck back if he's traded. Um, it's just rare, you know. You don't see that happen too often. Once they're once they're traded, most of the time those players are gone. Unless you're David Perron and you go back to the the St. Louis Blues four, three or four different times. Not too often do you return to the team. Uh, that has traded you. So, uh, it, it, although I like the idea, I, d- I don't see that happening now. It's interesting that John, uh, Joe, you said that there's. Uh, what do you get for a Cl- Cal Clutterbuck? The the source I spoke to had said that the consensus around the league was, um, you know, a third round pick is attainable. Uh, you, you know, especially if they decide to retain some salary. I'm inclined to believe that it, it's not impossible to get a second round pick for this guy because, like you said, Joe, there's going to be a lot of interest. He's a he's a bottom six guy that a lot of teams are going to want 
to have in their lineup because we've seen what he can do in the playoffs as far as not, not on the score sheet, but, you know, wearing other teams down, wearing opponents down and making the game harder for them. Um, and I don't want to say the words bidding war, but listen, if the, if one team here is, you know, we're ready to offer a third round pick, maybe the next team steps up and says, we'll give you two or even better. We'll give you a second rounder. It's not impossible. We've seen recent overpayments like Nick Felino, first round pick Barclay Goudreau, first round pick. These things happen. And Islanders absolutely should see what they can get for Clutterbuck. It's likely he will be on the move. Um, and he's not the only one who could possibly be on the move. There's uh, also talk around the league right now that Sedano Chara could be uh, shipped out. There is interest confirmed today by Pierre Lebrun. I had also said uh, last week in the same Clutterbuck report that uh, teams will have interest and and they are calling on Sedano Chara. Uh, and and it, it was confirmed today. There was that one report uh, going around that had said something like the Islanders are going to wait for uh, possibly him to break Chris Chelios' record of games played as a defenseman. I don't know that that's uh, a, a thing that's going through Lou Lamorello's mind right now. In my opinion, when Lamorello finds he's going to get the best offer, that's when he'll make the move. And if that's tomorrow, it's going to be tomorrow. If that's on the day of the deadline, then that's when he'll make the move. But I don't think there's uh, you know, the idea that he's waiting for him to break the record and then he'll ship him out. I think if, like I said, if he got that offer today, right now, tomorrow morning, it'll happen. And if he's got to, you know, break that record in Colorado or, or in Vegas or wherever he may go, he's got to break it there. Cause if Lamarell gets for some reason, a fourth, a third or fourth round pick for the guy, he's going to do that. And I know there's been a lot of discussions about Chara and, and Andy green. Um, but before we kind of move away from, the defenseman, I, I also think it's worth noting um, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. I believe he reported this morning that at least some teams are calling about Scott Mayfield. That doesn't, okay. mean, that doesn't mean that the Islanders are dangling him out there. That, that doesn't mean anything. But at least there's a feeling around the league or this consensus that he could be had, whether that's just teams doing their due diligence or not. Um, but again, same thing. If if I, I don't know what it would take for the Islanders to part with Scott Mayfield, I think the organization still remains pretty high on him. Even though I think in a perfect world he's a third pairing defenseman for you, um, that might be something to keep an eye on. I mean, yeah. it it's an interesting discussion because I did hear for a couple of weeks now on non Islander podcast this was a topic. Scott Mayfield name was was coming up as somebody that that teams were interested in, even if it's just people like us kind of chatting and, and bullshitting about their team. It was something that was that was coming up at 29. He's a right handed D with another year at one point four five. Maybe the I, this is an, uh, probably going to be an unpopular opinion. Maybe they're better off parting because you have a top. You have at least a top three in Pelik Pulak Dobson. Um, yeah, that's three spots you have to fill next year. Maybe Green is coming back, and well, I have an opinion about this certain situation with Green as well later. But you know, you guess you got Aho around. Um, Salo's in the mix, so maybe you have four defensemen. You still need you need to fill two or three spots. If Chickering's a legitimate option, um, like you said, Joe Mayfield's a third pairing 
defenseman. He would, that would be an ideal situation. Although, Pelican Mayfield were a heck of a pair. They were getting recognized as one of the better defensive pairs. That It could have been buoyed by Pelic. Either not just, way. Not, not just the better defensive pairs. The, the One of the better top defensive pairs in the league. Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good qualification. So I think, you know, that's probably what got some interest with Pulak out. Mayfield got more time. So if that was other teams were finally recognizing it because he wasn't just kind of getting buried in the mix between, you know, two of the best defensemen in the league and Pelic Pulak. Right. But so if he's got some interest and you can get some assets for it, look, I, I don't think he's nailed down. I think they keep him around. I don't know. Again, I don't think it's a popular opinion. I don't even know that I believe it 100%. But if it happened, maybe I wouldn't be surprised. You could, you could probably get something pretty good for him. Teams want right handed D. You could, you can get quite a bit from a team like Toronto who's yeah. dying for a, a, a physical right hand defenseman. Um, or any Western Conference team, Mayfield will do really well out there. So you make a couple moves in the offseason. I don't, I don't think that any market, free agent market, is going to be any good, which is a little scary. So it's got to be a trade. So you collect some assets. I don't know. He's, he's 29. He's not going to get better. Well, you know, I, what, what we're seeing out of him is, is the best hockey we're going to see out of him. I don't know. While he's not 30, maybe you trade him. Right. Well, I, I I agree with you. There there is that possibility because you know teams might want a low cost, big physical defenseman on a on a uh, contract that's pretty much unbeatable right now. Right. He's he's serving as a top pairing guy at the moment at one point one four five million dollars per year. One point four five million million dollars a year, and and yeah. that's that's for next year as well. So he has he's, he's twenty nine. He's got term, and he's right. a white handed shot, and he's a right. big boy. Right, I, and, and he's got hell sneaky, of a lot of teams. sneaky offensive upside. So, the, the the fact of the matter is that for a player like Scott Mayfield, the only way in my mind that he's going to be traded uh, is if Lamorello gets an offer that he just can't refuse. Right, a team is desperate; they're willing to give up multiple high value assets for him to make a cup run this this postseason. That's the only way, in my opinion, that that trigger gets pulled. Otherwise, it's not worth it because the Islanders want to keep that low cap hit for next season when they do try and make some moves to retool and come back next season over the summer. So um, he's not the only player for the Islanders who can retrieve them some assets uh, because of his term. Uh, but there is the report out there, uh, first reported by Dave Pagnota of the fourth period, uh, that Vegas has reached out about Semyon Varlamov. Um how serious that conversation was is not really known at the moment, but Robin Leonard is out for Vegas and it looks long-term possibly season ending. I think he does need to have surgery. Uh, so they could overpay for a, a goaltender like Semyon Varlamov who has playoff success, you know, with the, just in recent history too. Um, his underlying numbers are good. He's not playing bad as, as much as everyone wants to say that he's not playing well, his underlying numbers are good. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on a possible Semyon Varlamov trade? I think it's something the Islanders need, not should, but need to explore. And I think you hold him at a king's ransom. Uh, and if that means, you know, giving him up for no less than a first round pick, then you do that or multiple picks, a first right. and a third, a first and a second, doesn't matter. 
it's getting down to the nitty-gritty, and I think there are a lot of playoff contenders here that realize that they need a little boost in goaltending, obviously Vegas being one of them. Sure. Um, I, I think the Islanders, if they haven't already done it, they need to start dangling him out there now. And in return, I think you need to get not only those picks, you need to get a backup goalie uh, for Ilya Sorokin, uh, preferably a veteran one, just to see at the end of the season. Do you, though? Uh, What's wrong with what's wrong with it's a lost season anyway. What's wrong with Schneider? Get him. They've get already him. very they've already very clearly demonstrated they're not okay with Schneider. He has not he's not even been the backup in this stretch. He's this tonight is going to be in Seattle, Ilyas Rokin's seventh straight start. They don't want Schneider playing for whatever reason. I, I the team knows and, and you heard it in Brock Nelson's comments today. They know where they are in the standings. They know the the hole that they've dug themselves into, and they know the unlikely uh, possibility that they're going to make the playoffs. They're still not playing Schneider. I and that's that, fine later on in the season, though. I don't know why you don't do it. If you can get something for Varlamov, you're really going to stick to your... That's the pride you're sticking to? I think it's bullshit. That's that's a good point. Um, it, it's, it's a good point, and I think maybe that stance could potentially soften when somebody within the organization finally calls the season and says, all right, well, we're not going to make the playoffs, and that's when to use Barry Trotz's words here, you start throwing spaghetti at the wall. See what you have. See what you have for next season. Um, Which you shouldn't do. That's not how you test with spaghetti's done. Well, this that's, is, that's, no, and, you're, no, and, that. and you're wasting spaghetti. So that's just as a note, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. You're right. Um, but that being said, I mean, yeah. Uh, I the, the hesitancy to play Schneider, like James alluded to, suggests... The Islanders really don't want to see him in net. They'd rather, I don't want to say run Ilya Sorokin into the ground, but, <laughs> you know, seven straight games. And earlier this season, he played the first, however many it was, nine or something like that. Uh, so, Well, it's interesting. Kurz had an article not too long ago about managing his energy. This is the first time he's playing a season this long and getting this many starts in the NHL. Uh, for however long he did it in Russia in the KHL, it's different in the NHL. It's, a, it's just a different, a little bit of a different beast here. And ha- how he's managing that is like he's, he wants to play, but he's clearly getting a little tired. These are not mistakes that we've ever seen from him before, these short side goals and this, these other little things. So he can't play the rest of the way. I was a big proponent recently um, in an article to not bring Skarrick up. However, if you're not going to play Schneider, all right, bring the kid up. Get him get him some NHL games before next season. I thought it would be better to continue to see him have success in the AHL with Bridgeport. It's hard to have success as a goalie as consistently as he's had. So let's kind of like let it ride a little bit. Get him the confidence. He can work out over the summer. On the other hand, maybe you get him some games. You don't have to get a backup goalie. You can just get Varlamov's 5 mil off the book, off the books. Um, heading into the summer, which he has another year left. So that should get you a few more assets or at least some better ones. Uh, he's a good goalie with term. Uh, he is coming off an injury and, that's, and also COVID, so that's something. He hasn't played as consistently. Uh, his numbers are still good. So that's, that's something that Lou can leverage. Um, so maybe you just bring up Skerek. Maybe at the time I was wrong. If you're really never going to play Schneider, which I think is stupid. Um, even now, do it 
against Seattle. It doesn't just doesn't bother me one bit uh, at, at this point. It, it doesn't. These is meaningless, um, which sucks to say. I don't know how you if you're the Islanders. I don't know how you play the rest of your season that way. Um, even if it happened in ten more games from now, uh, weeks before the trade deadline, I, I think that's tough for a group that's been playing you know, seemingly eleven months a year, just like you know all through the summer and everything. So. Um, yeah, if, I guess bring up Skerek, see what you got in that tandem. And if they play well and the numbers are just as good as Varlamov and, and Sorokin, maybe you have your tandem for next year. It's not very exciting. Um, but Sorokin goes through the paces. You, you see what you got in, in Skerek and move on. Yeah, I mean, so the, the, the possibility that Varlamov is moved, I, I have to think that if it doesn't happen... I don't know. I, I, I don't think that it's high a high possibility that he gets traded. I think it's like a 50-50 shot here. Um, but I I am on the record having said that it's going to cost a lot. I think it's at least a roster player, a prospect, and a first-round draft pick because he's a starting goaltender. Do you, do you say that they don't do it? It's 50-50 because Lou doesn't want to or because you don't like – there's a market for him. I think that sure. goes without saying. Yeah. So this is purely uh, between the chair and the keyboard. This is Lou making this decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a Lou decision. And, and my reason for speculation is that I, this team, in my opinion, and we'll talk about this a little bit later as well, they're, they're not folding. Uh, this season, sure. But next season, they're going to come back expecting to compete. And you need two goaltenders to do that in this day and age in the NHL. So I'm not sold that they don't want Varlamov a part of the solution moving forward for at least next season. We'll see after that because his contract will be up and maybe the goaltending situation is a little bit different. Skarik makes another jump and, and he's ready and he can play backup minutes. Sorokin's ready to play full-time uh, uh, starting goaltender minutes for for the Islanders. Who knows what happens in two seasons? But as of next season, I'm not sold that they don't want Var- Varlamov in net for them at least 50% of the time. We'll see. Like I said, for Mayfield, if they get an offer they can't refuse, that's absolutely going to help them not only you know add to the prospect pool, but also to the um, the young core that they have and, and can still be part of the playoff picture for the next three to four seasons. Sure. They, they could absolutely do that and maybe address a backup goaltender in the offseason. There are a lot available, but I'm not sold that they don't want Verlamov to also be that guy. It's I think worked, you just need to do it cheaper. It's worked so well for them. For that's the not the argument. It's if The problem hasn't been the back end. And that's even, what they might be thinking. The problem hasn't been the this, back end. Why should we change that? Yeah, but you if you need to gain assets. I understand. You have to. There's a... This is where I think they need to get out of their own way. The philosophy has to change. This this is the one of the very rare few times that the Islanders have a, a golden goose to offer on the trade market. I agree with you. You, you have a Vezina caliber, Jennings winning goaltender in your ranks who has some term left yeah. where he's not going to be a rental. Um, you you ramp that price up, and you you keep it there. And if that means that 
Semyon Varlamov is an Islander at the end of the season because of it, so be it. You don't let him walk for pennies on the dollar. I agree with you. No chance. Um, and then, worst case scenario, you still have a very good goalie tandem going into next season. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. The The price for Varlamov will be and should be high. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out over the next coming weeks. Uh, we are one month minus a day to the trade deadline. Nassiman Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 years and older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited, minimum $5 deposit required. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Natsuman Hockey is also brought to you by Manscaped. Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra-premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist, so now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off of free shipping with the code NHP20. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim. Their advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts for your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra-premium collection. This package includes Manscaped's premium deodorant. No, not for below the waist, for your stanky armpits. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum-free, and smells like their signature scent. Hydrating body moisturizer. Have tattoos or issues with dry skin? It's designed to keep skin feeling smooth, clean, and smelling fresh. Body wash. To lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. To clean your scalp with an easy one step. Plus a free gift. A three-pack set of lip balm that's made up with the ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist that's four products and a gift inside the ultra premium collection what a score all these products are cruelty free parabene free vegan friendly and dye free the best ingredients with zero compromise so get that ultra premium collection hot off the shelves today get 20 percent off and free shipping with code nhp20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code nhp20 at manscaped.com the power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to manscaped uh, there were some comments by Trotz the other day that I want to talk about. Uh, the quote says, I think you're, you have to self-reflect some guys I've given an opportunity to have let me down. And I, I stuck with them because of what they've done in the past or what I think they may do. Sometimes I have to, uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes I've had a little slower trigger finger on certain things. 
John, I know you had thoughts. I'm going to throw this one over to you. I think there there was a lot of I know there was like a deep sigh right into the microphone. The <laughs> uh, there were a lot of comments on Twitter. I try to like sift through the best that I can to find like what's the what's the real pulse of what people are are thinking, uh, and and what are they saying? What has a little bit of water? We have you know you're sifting through quite a bit as both of you know. I think the big thing that that stuck out to me was they weren't putting trots on the hot seat. That's not a thing that was happening. He was dealing with the roster that he had in front of him. He can only make so many decisions in roster moves. That's not his job is not to manage the franchise and its players. It's to manage the players on the NHL roster. Having said that, he's he's saying in that quote that he wants to hold himself more accountable for some of these decisions or lack of decisions rather that he is or isn't making. And then he's just not doing it. And when he is doing it, I think I said this last show, the decision to play Aho over Green is one thing. It's another thing when the other player that should be sitting is Chara. Green has not played poorly. I think he should be the seventh defenseman next season. I think you bring him back. Leadership, all that stuff. He, he was there. He, he got you through a run. I don't think there's any problem with that. League men, absolutely no problem. Especially if you can get some of these other other players off the books going, you know, next season. I don't know how you make that. I he says that, you know, and and I know that this that Trotz and Lou have built up this trust with the fan base and all the stuff, but a lot of this is lip service and very empty to me. This this harkens back to me like a lot of that Joe uh, Jack Capuano kind of. Well, they went out there and played hard. You're not, you gotta, at a certain point, you have to do something. And then he does that, uh, at least one of those things. And I don't think there are as many options. Like, Bellows could be in or out for Bailey. That's your option. Like, or another winger. There aren't a lot of options there. It's not like there's just all the kids. I think I saw Dan from a Lighthouse Hockey say that. What kids do you think should be playing? Who? Who you bring? Like, then you got to make roster moves. You can lose players for nothing. That's not. That's also not wise. Like I get why they're not. They're not just going to waive Josh Bailey. That that's not a thing. That's going like you don't have the roster room to, to do that stuff. But then the decisions you're making with what you're working with have also been shit. So you you have to actually make the decisions based on what you're saying. Like you're not walking the walk here. I'll say this about Chara. Do I think that they're holding off on trading him until he breaks the record? No. Do I think that they are playing him until he breaks the record out of respect for him to do so? Yes. I think that's the reason why he's not being scratched at this point because they know they they're not. They cock Mike Medano him. Sure. In Detroit. They're not going to make the playoffs. I think they know that at this point, right? They have less than a 3% chance at this, at this uh, uh, current state. So they know. Do they want him to still break the record? Yeah, out of respect for him and the career he's had and what he's done in this league and the longevity, yes, they want to do that. So that's probably why he's playing, so he can break the record. Are they not trading him for that? No, they're not not trading him for that. That's that's a little bit of where that can come from. No, they're not not trading him for that. But they're... They're surely trotting him out there so he could break the record, right? What what do they have to lose for that? 
because at this point there's nothing to lose. They're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, so, they, what they had to lose was games, and by letting him continue to play, they <laughs> sure shit did that. Yeah, no, so, I, I understand that. I, I, I understand. I, I just think in in the mentality of the organization that there's, and we'll, I think we're going to talk about this in a little while as well. There's just been so much that's gone wrong, and I think they just know where they're at that they're trotting him out there to break the record, but not not trotting him out there to not get traded. Does that make sense? I think it's trotting him out there, but sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm I'm going to be the one who's going to be the dad, not you, but <laughs> no, <laughs> with, with the dad jokes over there. Uh, Someone has I, to. I got to borrow your mustache, by the way. I'm going to be a dad. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the 3-2 uh, shootout loss in, in Montreal. I had posed the question, was that the worst loss of the season? I got mixed reviews on that one. Some said it was in Seattle. Some said absolutely it was in Montreal. Some said, who cares at this point? They've all been bad. And that's probably true, too. Um, the way I see it, though, is Montreal, I think that was their 10th win of the season. They just got to double digits. And they're the worst team in the NHL. And the Islanders still have the bones to be a good team. Are they a good team right now? No, but they have the bones to be, and they they sometimes show flashes of potential of being a good team again. To lose to the absolute worst team in the league, and I get it, the the new coach, uh, um, uh, what is it, the I don't, superpowers that they get from a new coach, right? Marty St. Louis is behind the bench now, and, and suddenly Cole Caulfield uh, summons the the 1995-96 Mar- Marty St. Louis. No, I shouldn't say that. That's a little too early. The 2001 Marty St. Louis and scores left and right. Sure. But should they have lost to the last place Montreal Canadiens? No. That's why I think it was probably the worst loss of the season just because of who the opponent was. Uh, thoughts on that, fellas? In terms of, you know what? I'll say that this is the second worst loss of the season. I'm still putting Seattle in front. Okay. Because that is an expansion side that is a mess and the effort that they showed and the lack of urgency and the lack of fire i mean it it was not they were just they were and and i have not said this often over the last three plus years they were going through the motions um and that was probably some of the most disinterested or consistently disinterested New York Islanders hockey that I have seen in in quite some time, certainly with Barry Trotz at the helm, even to the point where he said that was one of, if not the most disappointing game that he had as an Islanders head coach. Yeah. He, he sort of said, he said he, he was pleased how the team sort of stuck with it against the Canadians, which again, that doesn't mean anything. Not in February Um, when you're this far out. Exactly. In, if this is, uh, November, sure. I said that last show. If this is November, that's the comment you want. That's what I mean by these like kind of empty stuff. Sure. It, it's not like that's not the comment. You go out there, and the coach has to have some emotion. The team doesn't have any emotion. They're not playing with any. It's it's so flat, so flat. Defeated. And and I think I don't think I don't think Barry Trotz is the kind of coach that would just go out there and say we sucked and and he's come close he's sort of towed that line at times this season when assessing his team's performance but 
I think he knows that he's kind of walking a tightrope here because if, you know, he does take the team to task per se with us in the media, you know, then you're running the risk of, of losing the locker room that again, buys into that system and had over exceeded expectations for so long. So, I mean, that could just be the, the cherry on top of the, the nosedive there. I just find it so fascinating that the this team can put up stinkers like a 3-2 loss to Montreal and a 3-0 loss to Seattle, but they'll go out and win a game 4-1 to against the Boston Bruins, who are in the playoffs. And yes, they didn't have Brad Marchand. And no, they can't use Tuka Rast not in net as an excuse because Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark are doing swell for the Boston Bruins. So it's it's fascinating to me, fascinating to me that they can go out and beat the Bruins in pretty much what is a New York Islander 2020-21 team uh, type game and then put up a stinker to Montreal and, and to Seattle. It, it fascinates me. I don't understand they're playing, why these things happen. They're playing down to oppo- opponents and they're playing up to opponents at times. Are they? Well, they, they're, at, well I mean, at times yes, is okay. At, at, yeah, at, at times. times. I, it's, you wind up playing a team like Boston who – uh, you had a recent playoff series against. You already beat them this season. You have a little bit of confidence against them. Um, there's no Marshall in the lineup, so yeah, you, maybe you go out there and you just you just play a good game. But right. I think bad teams play good games, and that might have just been, you know, B- Montreal also beat the Leafs, right? Now uh, the like thing a is night though, or two ago, and that's their the, third win in a row. So, on the more. other side of the coin, though, that win against Boston recently was like their fourth win against a playoff team this season. Oh, that's what I say. At times, they're playing. The thing is, they're not playing well against good teams, other than two games against the Boston Bruins, bookending, um, well, rather the only two good wins um, in the last two months um, against. You know, that was people were saying that that was the best game that they played since the last time they played the Boston Bruins. <laughs> Probably. So that's that's awesome, Joe. I'm pretty sure I I saw that tweet uh, immediately after the game from you. Um. So yeah, I, it's it's frustrating to watch, but yeah, they're playing down. They're they're not playing. Like I said, they're not playing with any anything right now. So no, Joe, I I agree. Where you know you don't want to go out. Trotz is not the ki- kind of coach to go out there, and that organization is not running away in which he's going to go and and just start bad mouthing the team. But I don't know. Something's missing. They're not playing. Like they're losing. They're not playing like they have something to re-earn. It's just, yeah, I know we went out there and, you know, there's a couple bad bounce. Like, I, I'd rather you just not say anything. I'd rather you say, yeah, we lost. We know. It's, See you later. It's too many moral victories or it's too much searching for moral victories where it's a team – that you see, I think really the more recently, the players more than the coach saying, Oh, you know what? Well, we, you know, we're trying to play a full 60 minutes, but it's there. Um, and, and once we get that, you know, everything's going to be fine and we'll make a push and we'll win some games. We'll string some wins together and all that kind of magic and rainbow sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is we're into the second half of the season. There's, 30, whatever, 37 games to go and nothing, nothing has changed. 
Yeah, they, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of on ice shit. Like it's they're not playing pissed off. They're not playing with they haven't played with energy all season. Even the fourth line, who I'm told is playing well this season, I I don't believe it. It's not the same energy. They're not doing it as consistently. It's glimpses uh that lead maybe to some wins here and there or to like a quote good game that they wind up losing again, which is fine in November or it's good in February. If you're already safely in a position. So you lose to the Montreal Canadians. You were in the game the whole time, a couple bad bounces, but that those bad bounces are happening every single game. They're allowing, did they allow the first goal in that game too against Montreal? Yeah. 11. Of so 12. that's, so eleven or twelve, I thought it was twelve or thirteen at this point because I feel like I'd heard that somewhere else. But we'll see tonight. Either, either they, either way, it's a lot of excuses. It's a lot of. It's not a lot of accountability, and I think that's where people are trying to like. Look, I don't. I do not think the answer is to again. Trot's not on the hot seat. I don't think the answer is getting rid of him. I don't think the answer is getting rid of Lou yet. I think he's. They bought themselves a bad year, right? That's that's fine. But there does need to be accountability. I don't think that's irrational to say from a fan base. You, look, you can be aggravated at the guy. Two things can be true. You can want him to continue being the coach. And you can want him to do better. And that's the same thing as the players. The on-ice product is shit. No, I don't, where, I don't know where the accountability is. The, as as uh, Trot said in that quote, the younger players got a little bit uh, of a shorter leash than than the veteran ones, but you let that happen too long. What do you expect other people to say of you if that's what you're doing and there's no accountability? What do you think the people paying your paycheck ultimately are going to say and do? Joe, to your point about, you know, you don't media and this and that. What do you expect when that's not, it's literally what you're not doing? I I don't know. I, I say that, that that's, that's some dominoes fall there one way or another. You're going to lose the trust of the fan base that way. I, I, I think, and, and that's the problem. I, I think the noise from the fan base is being taken into consideration too much because I think they've gotten a taste of success and now they're demanding more, which is, again, totally unacceptable. I mean, totally acceptable, sorry. Totally acceptable. Fans have a right to do that. Fans have a right to have expectations. All of that. Again, I think at the end of the day, those who are calling for Barry Trotz's job are on another planet uh, in another dimension. You have to ultimately look at what the head coach has to deal with, where you're drawing water from a stone. And, I mean, and you're, as, a, as a head coach in the NHL, you're motivating. Of you're not teaching anything. And that's a little... Again... I don't think he should get fired, but like, there's something missing. There, there already is a miscommunication between him and and the on ice product. Certainly, um, and I think that you know there, there's something to be said in what the product was that Lou Lamarillo gave Barry Trotz to work with. Um, I distinctly remember in previous off seasons, Trotz saying going into the off season or in the middle of the off season saying, "We need a goal scorer." Lou Lamarillo has not delivered. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of to what was said before. What else do the Islanders have? 
you know, it's one thing, okay, you know what, there are nights where, you're right, Kiefer Bellows probably should have played for Josh Bailey. Sure. Oliver Wallstrom should play for Kyle Palmieri. That's a perfect way to send a message. And it should be that way consistent across the board. Nobody's job should be safe, regardless of past accolades, past triumphs, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's and and that is where Barry Trotz has missed the ball. You don't want to know what the problem with that quote is from Trotz. That was almost two weeks ago. Nothing has changed, right? Right. I, and that's why I say I think you know I if if that if you're expecting the respect from I'll put myself in that category, right? As as maybe uh, the fan on the on the, <laughs> on the podcast today with two with two reporters. I no I I I don't. Yes, we have expectations now, and that's a that's a that's a good point. Maybe they were too high. Maybe they overachieved. And I guess all of that can be true. That doesn't mean it's it's just a wash. And I'll be the first one to be like, look at Tampa Bay, look at Colorado, look at some of these teams. Yes, they were built a little bit differently, but look at the success the Islanders had with the way that they were built. There's something there. There's a lot of caveats to be discussed in the nuance of. Can they bounce back after this season and and have a really good off season? Um, I don't know. I I just I think it's okay to be aggravated because of those expectations. I don't know that it's crazy to to do that. And that's where I that's kind of where I'm sitting. I just I kind of expect more decision making. Lose, lose. I don't care. But at least you can't sit there and like, oh, we have to throw spaghetti at the wall. And then simply not do that. Or when you are doing that, very clearly not making the right moves. That's where I get it. Like, I'm not a Hall of Fame coach. I can see, I don't know what I'm seeing and what you're seeing and how drastically different that is. You can't look at Bailey's game and be like, yep, cool. Or whatever. I I don't know where, I don't know how to digest all that. The message should be the message should be simple. Actions should have consequences. That's it, and I think that's all the fan base is is looking for here. Where again, if you see guys mailing it in for a week or two weeks, and they're still, you know, flanking the second line, or they're still getting opportunities on the first line, while some of the more productive players are getting third line minutes, yeah, that's again. Every right to have this kind of frustration. Yeah, and my again, my issue is that it was two weeks ago. I, that's it's perfectly fine. I can I can believe him in the moment. I just don't I don't believe it because he simply has not done it. Sure. I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, obviously fans have called for his job and Lamorello's job. I think we all agree here that that's not going to happen. What will be interesting to know uh, of note is that this summer is likely when the Islanders and, and ownership. Uh, and Lamorello should sit down and say, okay, what's the plan moving forward for Trotz? Cause he's due for a contract. Uh, so we'll see if that contract does, uh, th- if those talks start this summer, I'm of the opinion that they will. I think that he's going to be here f- for a-, a long time. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that means just, you know, he signs another four or five year contract and that's how long he's, he's here for. Um, but I do believe that Trotz will be here for a while. Uh, he is not the problem. Like we already stated, uh, Lamorello could probably do a, a bit of a better job in, in providing for him. 
but I don't believe that he will be gone. Uh, or the organization's happy with him, as far as any of us know. Um, you know that was that was confirmed through I believe Andrew Gross uh, not not too long ago. The organization is happy with Lula Morello. Joe, I think you said it earlier. They've bought themselves the time to sort this out. Sure, it's a lost season. They're going to chalk it up to that, but there's there's time to fix this right the window is not shut and as frustrating as it is right now uh they're and and as much as we know there needs to be change it's you know with with the way this year went we have 37 it's it's january 22nd as we're recording this they have 37 games left to play it's gonna feel like a long time and it feels like this has dragged out so long because it has they haven't played as much as the rest of the league it's gonna be a frustrating couple of months leading up to the summer uh, but let's talk about this summer. Is a retool enough for the Islanders this summer? John, you have thoughts. Is this summer, say that again? Is a retool enough for the Islanders this summer? I don't believe in anything right now until it happens. <laughs> I know that's like the irrational fan guy. That is a right? little bit. But I don't. I just don't believe it until it does. Because we... We know what the problems are. Trotz has said it. Joe, you mentioned before. Trotz has said something about a score. I don't believe it until it happens. The team knows what it needs. Um, I think there's a little. There's also a little bit of an identity crisis happening. This team needs to relearn or redefine what it is. Especially if a, a player like Clutterbuck is going to leave, they they need to kind of figure out what it means to be an Islander again. They redefined it very quickly on this team. I think if you can do it in an offseason after your biggest player in decades or in a decade or plus um, leaves, then you could do it again. So they, they need to kind of figure that out. I think in addition to that, we're at a, a critical intersection where Lou and Trotz need to change the course and their philosophy of what's going on. Some of that has to do with the Trotz quote from before. Some of that has to do with the type of players that they're bringing in and these kind of like rectifying these players, um, you know, these goalies out of nowhere, these all these different types of players where they just overachieve. They kind of need to just bring in some players with some skill. No more of this, Joe, as you said, like moral victories. Um, they don't need just glue guy veterans for the sake of a glue guy veteran. I know people are joking about Komarov and how they've played without that's gold him. medal leo Komarov to you gold medal winning olympic gold medal winning leo uncle leo um Komarov. Put some they, respect if, on his name but if you are going to bring in a glue guy it's got to be zach prize or better right it's got to be a guy with skill who can also be a glue guy who can also be an identity player that's the a shift in in, in the philosophy of how they're putting this team together some of that's also going to be accountability and giving and Lou giving Trotz the room with the roster by bringing in some more players that can kind of come in and out of not continuing this, the Ross Johnson thing. If he's if he's not going to play, it's just a roster spot to waste. If if Martin is if they're going to trade Martin for whatever reason, I don't see that happening. I doubt it. It just doesn't make any sense to have these guys around and taking up cap space and roster space that they're not going to play. They need to fill that with players that can come in when called upon and, and score you a couple goals and have a good few weeks if you have an injury. They're just, they they kind of need to rethink um, their identity and I think their their philosophy in putting the roster together moving forward. Yeah, I, 
I could see that. And and one of the things I think that will happen this summer is that identity will shift a little bit and, and for the better, obviously, I think that's the goal, you know, for, for this summer, for them to come back a better team next season. The way I see it is, you know, Matt Barzell has a year left on his deal. Yes. He's a restricted free agent, but you want to get him locked up long-term. You're going to have to convince him and show him that the future, uh, there's something to, to, to sign here for. And by going out and, and retrieving a big fish, like, you know, there are names out there who will be out there, such as Philip Forsberg, Johnny Gaudreau. If they make it to unrestricted free agency, those are the guys you want to see them bring in because a Johnny Gaudreau or a Philip Forsberg on the first line playing next to Matthew Barzell, that's going to be a, your dynamic duo. Um, I don't know that they can wait and depend on a guy like Wallstrom to to make it to the first line because, you know, you've seen Trotz's hesitancy to put him up there because of the little things. And there are small details in his game that he does need to work out. But the Islanders didn't build UBS Arena to be a bottom of the barrel team. They signed uh, I'm sorry, they, they built that arena to sign big name free agents to, to attract free agents. They have the state of the art practice arena they have you know the some of the best facilities in the world that building is designed to attract free agents and to attract players to wanting to play on long island whether that's via free agency or trade so will a retool be enough yes it will be because the the core is still decent you might end up seeing uh you know players like either a scott mayfield or anthony bouvier moved in the offseason uh, but that'll be for the greater good and, and maybe retrieving, you know, a, a, a sniper or or a top pairing defenseman uh, who could be a legitimate number one somehow. Right. Yeah. And, and this is where. Finally, we're facing an offseason where we can finally put that theory to the test. Right. The Islanders are a destination. Well, the problem is they were in cap hell the last two years. They're in cap limbo this time around. Um, and if they make the right moves and they shed some more cash, yeah, we finally will get to find out. Hey, can they land the big fish? Uh, can they land the big fish? Right. Um, like you said, a Goudreau, a Forsberg. That's that's really this is a again. You don't want to put all of your eggs in in one basket that is this off season, but you need to see a step forward in that aspect. In the in the post dynasty era Islanders, this is the most important off season that is approaching in Islander history. You can you can say this team's at a crossroads. You can, because um, there's, you know, again, you you take the left fork and okay, you you know you you clear space, you spend money, you get a big fish or two. You take the right fork, you miss, and all of a sudden then you're facing the same sort of reality of a – well, does that part I want to say here? Um, and then and then who knows? Um, again, that's I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, whatever you want to call it. That's not the case. Um, but Lou Lamarillo needs to get this right. And over the last three years – how many times have we been able to say that? That's the question. Is there confidence that Lamarillo can get it done? 
I don't actually, I'm, I'm interested in Joe and, and you kind of continuing there. Cause I don't really know where you stand on that. Where I stand regarding like, can he, can he get it done? Because, or like, or what rather, what have you done for me lately? I think a lot of people would argue as I now play the other side of the coin that three years of success and an off year with a multitude of good and bad excuses um you know led to what the situation that they're in but what i've said in defense of lou over time was yeah I, we didn't understand the moves at the time but they worked you can you over the summer we're like there's no way and there was and they led us to have every reason to believe that that was the same thing that was going to happen this this last summer okay i can parise and shara sure let's do it i i believe in you we can we can get this done um, it didn't work out. So what I hope actually happens is again, that philosophy change in don't get it right. Like two years ago, because that only got you so far. We've learned that it only got you so far. You, it really needs to get a different type of right. Not the right that he's even had with this team two years ago. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, and I think there is, if history suggests anything, I think there's more of a confidence in terms of his performing on the trade market. When the Islanders needed to do something at the trade deadline, he did it for two straight years. You know, you brought in Pajot, you brought in Palmieri. They were big helps for the push. They were big helps in the playoffs. Pajot is now a glue guy for this team. Um, free agency is a different animal, which is why I said this is finally the first opportunity where we'll really get to see Lou sort of, you know, take off the shackles and, and really go for it. Will it be enough? I mean, after all, he did have the high offer for Artem and Panarin. He went all out. He, yeah. you know, Anders Lee said he was willing to not take as much money to make sure he, you know, that there is a, a good negotiator in here. Now he has all of these resources. Now it's not, okay, this is going to be a summer of him signing third and fourth liners again. Yeah. Like I said, the, the bottom six isn't the issue, even without Clutterbuck. Of course. Even though they lose Zarnik, which I think is is hurts an easy plug in for the next season. I don't think that's the problem. Even if you if you brought Parise to play with uh, Sezikis and Clutterbuck next and, and and Martin next season, I think that's perfectly fine. And and you fill in a third line player um, with with uh, Wallstrom and Pajot, you know, believing that. Uh, another move is going to be made. Hopefully if you, if you add in the top six, you're not going to take anyone out of the lineup. You're just going to push people down the lineup. So it could be Bailey, Peugeot, Wallstrom, and then your top six is changing. Now my thought process on that, and I wrote it a while ago was I kind of believe that Bavillier will be used to get the defenseman, which means Bailey will get pushed down to that third line. Parise sticks around. There's your bottom six. That's pretty well settled. That's not even a bad bottom six. I think it's the top six that's going to have two wingers change. That's the biggest turnover year to year. You're going to need two top six wingers. Easier said than done. Much easier. And this is where Lou cannot settle with keeping um, Bailey in that top six. Um, or maybe three. If Bavillier's gone, Bailey's down the second line, and you need a top line winger, maybe Palmieri's around. I don't know what the deal is. 
two as much as three wingers in that top in the top six. It's a lot of players. You can't settle on a third liner or two third liners. Simply move Wallstrom up and fill the second line, and then still have an, uh, your top line winger be Palmieri. I think that's a cheap that's a cheap way to do it. You can't and you can't be like, oh well, he's a good third liner. I like Parise a lot. He's not helping win in hockey games. He's not the problem. He's not the solution. He, he, that's that's not somebody that you can bring in. It, almost, you know, kind of to your point, Joe. I I think a goal, a perfect world goal, a utopian goal for the Islanders is they go into the 22-23 season with Anders Lee as their third line left wing. Uh, absolutely. I've said I said even just put him next to Nelson, but yes, third yeah. line. I, I think that's how you know this was a successful offseason for the Islanders. This was a a great A plus offseason for them. Although Barzell has been on the record stating that he does enjoy playing with Anders Lee. Sure. Uh I think that is the the right move. Uh in changing the culture of this team, one has to wonder. Uh, if the Islanders will make an attempt to acquire uh, current Columbus Blue Jacket Patrick Line, who currently now has 11 goals in his past nine games and will be a restricted free agent, uh, I can confirm, as reported at the fourth period, that the Islanders continually have kept tabs and checked in on Line with Columbus. Uh, so that could be the big fish that the Islanders retrieved this summer. He's could a righty. He's a right-handed. He, he is a right-handed shot. I mean, Barzal was said he likes playing He's, with the righty. He has I, been saying that. Line is really streaky. Um, I don't. But I'll I don't take that. I don't buy that he doesn't uh, fit well in a locker room. Uh, I've heard just from uh, about anybody uh, about Patrick Line that there's a genuine like for him uh, on the teams that he's been on. Um, I don't think anybody in Winnipeg. Uh, was upset with him for wanting to leave, and I don't think anybody in in Columbus doesn't like having him around. He uh, he he dresses sharp going into every game. He looks snazzy all the time. Uh, he seems like a likable guy to me, uh, and you can't deny that shot. He's a former thirty uh, forty goal scorer, um, and it's likely to happen again in his career. And he's just going to be twenty four, twenty five. Uh, he's Something like he's twenty three, so he'll be twenty four. Yeah, presumably next season. So he's he's got seven and a half on the cap now. He's an RFA. That's tough. I think it, it's going to be expensive. And then all you have is his rights. So it would have to be maybe a sign and trade, maybe. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Lose record uh, track record with all of that. Yeah, you wonder if maybe you know if it, in the off season if it gets to it that uh you know maybe Bavillier is part of that deal and and that that's attractive to them because he's another young forward or maybe Mayfield is part of that deal because they they're you know he's a defenseman that the the Blue Jackets might want with their uh young team moving forward but I think Bavillier's got to go for uh a, a defender he's got to be. be in that yeah. he's got to be in that deal um because they don't have that many assets yeah could be absolutely Another thing that I had heard um, was, you know, not, not that I'm not, this is not a, a confirmation or anything. There was just a question um, that was proposed that would the Islanders entertain maybe moving Brock Nelson at 30 years old and maybe bumping JG Peugeot up to the second line and uh, maybe snagging a third line center in the offseason. I don't know that they're willing to do that. Um, Most consistent 
goal scorer for the Islanders. Yeah, in, I, I think that four or five seasons. No way. I think yeah, I think that if they're looking to add goals, brought you know subtracting Brock Nelson is not part of that answer. Um, but there, I you, listen. Th- there is a way to fix this, and and it's up to Lou Lamorello this summer to get that done. Uh, it's, it's important to note. Um, I, I think I tweeted this a couple uh, during the Montreal game. Brock Nelson's 17 goals in 36 games this season is a 38 goal pace over 82 games. Yes. You uh you, you don't get rid of that. Right. Um, so they're solid up the middle. They they are and and that's been a calling card of the Islanders for the last 3 or 4 years. They are rock solid up the middle. Absolutely. And Brock Nelson is like like you guys said, he's one of those glue guys. He's a foundational piece of this team. Um and he should in my opinion, he should be an Islander for life. Now, again, if you build things correctly and you're able to provide some legitimate playmaking support around him that's consistent and high-powered, that is not streaky Anthony Bavillier or belongs on a third-line Josh Bailey, who knows? Maybe that 38-goal pace becomes a 43-goal pace. Again, that's dealing with hypotheticals up the wazoo. Um, but it's something to think about because he really, this this is a career year that he's having, but because of COVID and injuries, he's going to be robbed of a pretty large portion of it. Yeah, and it just shows he's not slowing down. Yeah. You have to think that, you know, you, you just said Josh Bailey, and, and this is my final thought, and we'll close out the show. Um, you have to think that if teams are are calling about Zdeno Chara and have interest in bringing him in, I understand the contracts are way different and the term is much different, but if people want or if teams want Chara, there's got to be somebody out there who would maybe want uh, a Josh Bailey who's making $5 million for the next two seasons after this. I think if it's one more year, maybe, but that two more years of it, I, you don't, again, as an expensive third liner, and if you're not the Islanders, you don't pay that much for your third line. So it just doesn't make any sense. Maybe, unless you're Arizona. <laughs> it's possible they do not have any players for next season, so it's entirely. <laughs> it is, and I say that as you know, it's um, just the truth. They, yeah, they don't the have they anybody have all... signed for next season and except Clayton trade... Keller. Yeah, and Chikrin, as of now, who's definitely getting traded. So Clayton Keller, and that's pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> Um, yeah, there, I don't know what the deal is there between the arena and the team. Uh, it's there. They are barely a hockey team. Yeah. Interesting things going on in Arizona, but, uh, that concludes the trade deadline speculation edition of NASA hockey podcast. Uh, I want to say thank you to DraftKings. Use that THPN promo code. And I want to say thank you to Manscaped. Use that NHP 20, uh, uh NHP 20 promo code. I uh, also want to say thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network, Isles Fix, and of course, all of you, our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Aspen Hockey. You can join our Discord for a safe space to chat with fellow Islander fans. Lastly, you can find my work at the fourth period, John's work at the Hockey Writers, Joe's work uh, at AM New York, and you can follow us on Twitter uh, for a wide variety of sports coverage. Uh, and check out Isles Fix, an excellent curated Islanders. Until next time, everybody, let's go Islanders.